next few weeks. Um, it's called Sequence. And um, really, we just want to look into the Old Testament specifically and look to see where we can see Jesus. Um, I think sometimes we don't always pick up on that. Sometimes it seems like the Old Testament can be um, a little strange. It can uh, be tough sometimes when you want to start reading the Bible and maybe you're all jazzed up. I'm going to read the Bible through and then you hit Leviticus and you're just like, man, why did I decide to do this? Let, let me go read the Gospels again, you know. Uh, let me hear, go read the stories of Jesus. And, uh, but it's important for us, uh, and I, know, I say that because I know some of you right now are reading through the Bible and you are kind of hitting that wall. You may be, you may be hitting, hitting Leviticus right now and it, uh, maybe trying to, to slog through it. And uh, it's like, well, I don't know why all these things are in here. What does that have anything to do with me? Um, but I, I want this series, just for the next few weeks, I want us to focus on just how we can see Jesus on every page of the Bible, not just in the New Testament. On every page of the Bible, I want us to be able to see Jesus and be able to see that there is a purpose, there is a reason um, that we have the story, that what God has, has started, what God has shared with us is important. And I just kind of ask this question, why is the Old Testament sometimes so hard to read, right? Why does it seem so strange and so weird sometimes when you read stuff and it's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, because it's a very different culture. Uh, it's it's uh, written in a, in a different language. Uh, it is uh, people who many, 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 many centuries ago uh, have lived in. It's like, you know, they had a different lifestyle than what we have today. And so as 21st century Americans, we look at things different. And uh, and so sometimes I think it's 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 good for us to stop and kind of go back and and see how this is important. And I, I think this is important for us because we're leading up to Easter. Um, Easter is April 17th and we're looking to have an amazing celebration that weekend. We have let me just kind of give you a heads up. We have on that Friday night, we're going to be doing a good Friday night of worship here at the church and so we're inviting you to come come uh on good friday and uh come hang out with us and 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 have that night of worship with us the very next day uh we're gonna do an egg hunt we're gonna have a cookout on that saturday we're gonna have a great time and then on sunday morning uh we're gonna come back and we're gonna celebrate easter sunday and we're gonna celebrate the resurrection and i celebrate the resurrection easter is every day for me because i celebrate the resurrection every day but we absolutely are going to do it on that day and uh so we want you to be part of that weekend. You're going to start hearing more about that. But I got to thinking about it. I said leading up to Easter, I kind of know, you know, where I want to go with, with the messages uh, leading up to Easter. Um, but I was a little bit conflicted about where to go kind of in between the series we're coming out of and, and where we're headed. And I just kind of had about three different things in my heart. And I was texting Pastor Adam and I was texting him, I was like, man, you know, th these are the options. What do you think? What do you think our church needs to hear? And one of those options was this, just this idea that seeing Jesus in, in the Old Testament, being able to see Jesus uh, because it, it sets us up for where we're heading in the Easter. Um, you can't get to the New Testament without first going through the Old Testament. You say, well, yes, you can. You can just skip it, you know, and just start at Matthew, you know. Uh, but other than going through a reading plan and skipping ahead, God had a plan. God has a plan. Not had a plan. He has a plan. His plan is working through history. And this is 
part of what that looks like. And so it's extremely important. Um, every day when I look at my life, I want my life um, to reflect Jesus. And some days that looks better than others. I'll just be honest with you, right? Yeah. yeah. And, if we're, and if you're being honest, some days that looks better for you than others too, right? And, and so I, I want to reflect Jesus. And so I'm really wanting my life to reflect Jesus and focus on Jesus. And I want to know the real Jesus. I don't want to know the Jesus that our 21st century culture gives us that we're okay with, you know, the Jesus that gets watered down, the Jesus that gets, you know, uh, you know, just put with all, all the trappings of our culture wrapped around. I, I, I want to know the real Jesus. The real Jesus was Jewish. The real Jesus uh, lived out Scripture. And what Scripture was that? I'm not talking about the New Testament. I'm talking about... He read the Hebrew Scriptures, and you're going to hear me refer to it like that sometimes, the Hebrew Scriptures. When I say the Hebrew Scriptures, I'm talking about the Old Testament um, because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's the Scriptures uh, that, that are in Hebrew, but they are uh, established in this history with this family, the family of Abraham, this story that God is un unraveling, un unveiling uh, before us, and this is Jesus' story. Jesus' story is in history, um, and it's, it's something that I think that, that we want to go through, that I think we need to go through. And so I, I just want to start with this statement. Um, we need the whole Bible to be able to make whole Christians. We need the whole Bible to be able to make whole Christians. Um, and I know sometimes we can say, well, maybe we have these little New Testaments that have the Psalms, you know, and we have what's those pocket Bibles, you know, we got those those pocket Bibles and, and you know, those are, those are great. I've got some of those. Um, I've got a little Gideon Bible sitting in my office that my grandmother gave me many, 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 many years ago. Um, you know, she gave it to I think she gave it to me at Christmas and it had a dollar in it. You know, that dollar is long gone. I don't know where that dollar's at. I probably got spent on bubble yum or bubble gum, you know, and it is long gone. But I still have that Bible, and she's got written in the front of that Bible that she wanted this, this, uh, this book to really make an impact on my life, and it has. For the longest time, I had, I had trouble reading the Bible. I, I, didn't, I didn't like to read the Bible. I knew I was supposed to, but I didn't like to. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? I didn't know if I'd get an amen on that or not. I was like, I was like you on your own right there, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I knew I was supposed to read the Bible, but, but I didn't like to. But I didn't like to because I didn't understand it. You know, there were certain things I would understand. I, I really liked the stories of Jesus. I really liked, you know, um, reading, reading things in Proverbs because that seemed like, you know, Psalms. Those seemed like, hey, yeah, these are, these are, these are stories that kind of make a little bit more sense. Psalms that kind of make a little bit more sense, uh, you know, but I didn't understand the Bible completely. And so my life has been on a path to really um, just become more well-versed, <laughs> pun intended, right? Become well-versed in Scripture that, that I know uh, what this story is and not just stories. See, I think that's, that's part of it. We know a bunch of stories, but we don't know the story. There, there's a lot of stories in the Bible. You say, well, you know, I can tell you about Jonah and the well, or I can tell you about Noah's Ark, you know, or I can tell you about the Ten Commandments, or I can tell you about the children of Israel who marched around the walls of Jericho. And sometimes they all seem very disjointed. Sometimes they seem all just like, well, those are great stories of how God loves this group of people, but, 
But really, I believe this book screams from page one. Jesus as being the figure that history is pointed to. And so I believe that as we begin to look at this, hopefully we'll, we'll see Jesus come out in this. So, so we need the whole Bible to make whole Christians. I want to go to Luke chapter 24. It's kind of funny. We, we're going to start looking at the Old Testament, but we're going to start in the New Testament, right? Um, but we're going to start here for a reason, because um, this, this incident takes place after the resurrection, okay? And there's, there's a couple people walking down this road, and it's called, the story's called The Road to Emmaus, uh, that these, these, these guys are walking and they're talking about the events that have happened in Jerusalem with Jesus being crucified and then uh, him being resurrected and this, this encounter that the women had at the tomb and the other disciples. And so uh, this is kind of setting that up for you, just kind of give you the context of, of what we're about to read. And so it, we pick up right here in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It said that very day, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now remember, this is after he's been crucified. This is after he's been resurrected. And so Jesus shows up and starts walking with these guys on this road. Verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. We don't know why their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Maybe it was because God didn't want them to see uh, Jesus at that moment. Uh, it doesn't say that. I don't know that I would jump to that conclusion. Maybe it's because if you've ever really had a lot on your mind and you've been distracted, I think that plays a lot into it, that there's all these things going on and sometimes you miss stuff. Have you ever been standing beside somebody in the grocery store, but you're, you're trying to stand there on the, the spice aisle trying to figure out what you need, and they're like right there with you, and like, hey, how you doing, you know, but you don't realize it's who it is. Oh, hey, how you doing, you know. I've done that a time or two where I, I've, I've had people, you know, hey, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying to ignore you, but I was just kind of into what I was doing, and so I believe part of that could be the reason that these guys, they're just kind of into their conversation, and so um, we pick up, and it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is it that this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He's like, where have you been? Have you been living under a rock? Basically, that's what he's saying. He's like, are you the only person who doesn't know what is going on? And he says, are you the only one that doesn't know what's been happening these past few days in Jerusalem? And he said to them, what things? That was Jesus. He said, what things? You know, Jesus is kind of drawing them in, right? Because he knows. He's been there. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, you get that? It was past tense. We had. We had hope. 
We had a hope, and now that hope has been dashed because our hope is gone. And so, so we've got something else now. And so that's why I think there's something uh, that, that's, that's very natural about why they didn't recognize Jesus because the hope that they had has been dashed in a sense. We had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they, uh, that they had seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What did he do? Where did he start? Where did he start? He started where? With who? Moses. And what is that? That's, that is an indication that he started with these first five books of the Bible. He started with, with what's called the Pentateuch. He started with, with this, this, this thing we call Torah. And, and that's where he started. And then, he's not only that, but he, he goes into the prophets. And, and he references these other books, these prophets, these writings. Uh, Jesus takes this entire walk to start at the beginning and say, let me tell you where all these books, where all these scrolls, what they would have thought of. All these scrolls, these writings point to me, point to himself. And, and, and it's a big story. And I'm going to stop right there. We, we won't finish this, but you can read the rest of it. And it says that their eyes were open. And that later on in, 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 the, in the passage, it talks about, did our hearts not burn inside of us as he talked with us? And that's what I want. That is exactly what I want. That when I think about Jesus, when I think about Jesus' story in Scripture from the very first page of Genesis to the very last page of Revelation, I want my heart to burn inside of me. I want my heart to burn with a passion, not just so I can read a bunch of religious pages and read a religious book so that I can know Jesus better. That's why I want to know the Old Testament better. That's why I want to know the Hebrew Scriptures better. Because Jesus says they point to Him. And if they point to Him, I want to know Jesus as well as I can. I want to know Jesus as much as I can. And so that's what I want to do. I want to dive into that. And so I want to give you real quick, there's, there's this, this, these Hebrew Scriptures are broke up into three sections. Now, if you have your Bible with you, you can look and see that our Protestant Bibles are set up in a certain way, all right? They're set up where we start with Genesis and the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. That is not how the Hebrew Scriptures are set up. They have the same scrolls, they have the same books, but they're ordered differently. And so the order that we have here in our Protestant Bibles actually comes later on, uh, actually after the life of Jesus, uh, it, it gets reordered. And so the original order would look more like the original Hebrew Scriptures. And, and actually, uh, the, original, uh, the, the original Hebrew Scriptures end with Second Chronicles. All right, and so that's, that's the last book for them. That's the last scroll for them. And so... Uh, 
that's, that's kind of where I want us to look at real quick. These three divisions that uh, you can break up these Hebrew scriptures in, in three divisions. And it's broke up in a thing called the Tanakh, all right? And so this is, the Tanakh would be the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, it would be the 39 books uh, that, that make up our Old Testament. Uh, these, these would uh, in, be inclusive in the Tanakh. And what is Tanakh? Tanakh is this, it's basically it stands for Torah, Nevim, and Ketuvim. Those are the three uh, areas or three terms. And can you go ahead and put those up there, um, Steve? There you go. You can go ahead and just, uh, just, just all, all three of them. There you go. And so, and so it's broke up into three basically sections. And the, the first section is the Torah. That's, that's, now, sometimes Torah is used to talk about the entire thing. Um, but more specifically, when uh, Torah is talked about, a lot of times it's, it's specific to the first five books of the Bible, first five books of Scripture, which is uh, it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All right? And so when, when Jesus says he starts with Moses, that's what he means. He starts with Moses' account. He starts with the Torah. He starts with these first five books because the Torah is the law. And, and I know this, we, we, we hear this word law, and we have a 21st century kind of idea of what law is. Law to us is the speed limit is 55 miles an hour, and if you decide to drive 85 miles an hour in a 55, they are going to pull you over for breaking the law, right? And they might put you in jail if you're going faster than that, right? So um, there is a law. There is a thing. Do not break the law. But I, I think a, a better way to look at that, that that helps us is to look at it as instruction because that's what it is. That's really what Torah means. It means instruction. It is instruction to a people. It is instruction to a group of, of people on how to live and, and, and how God is revealing himself. And so that's what the T in Tanakh is, the, the Torah. And the Nevim is, that it, it means prophets. Uh, the prophets are Joshua. It, it includes Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, um, it also includes Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, all the way through Malachi. There's 12 minor prophets that we talk about. These would be in this Navim, this, 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 this section called the prophets. And then you have this third section called the Ketuvim, which is called the writings. You'll hear it referenced like that in the New Testament sometimes, yeah, that, that in, the, in the Torah, in the law and the writings, the prophets and the writings, right? Um, and this would include the Psalms. It would include Daniel. It would include the wisdom scrolls of Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes. It would include Ruth. And it would also include First and Second Chronicles. And so this is how the Hebrew Scripture is put together. Um, and it follows, it, it follows a story of God basically starting at the very beginning and creating a world. God creates the world. He shapes it and forms it, flings stars into the heaven. And then God creates man and woman. He creates people. He creates people in his image. But not only does he do that, he creates the world, he creates people in his image. 
Then God goes on, and in the story that we find right here in this first part in the Torah, in the first five books, God chooses a family. He chooses. He calls Abraham from the place that Abraham is living. He, he says, Abraham, I want you to go to another place. I want you to move your family to another place, another location. And Abraham does it. He he picks up his stuff and moves. God chooses a family. And sometimes we get hung up on this whole thing. Why did God choose Abraham? Why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose the Jews? It seems like God's playing favorites here. Does God not love everybody? God does love everybody. God has a plan to love everyone. God has a plan to pour out that love and grace. And actually, he wants to give life to every one of us. But in God's plan, God starts in his plan. He starts with a person, and then he moves to a family, and then it moves to a tribe of people, and that tribe of people become a nation of people, and then that nation begins to overflow, and that's what is, uh, that is the whole covenant with Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. You're going to overflow, and so I'm starting with you. Abraham, I'm not just starting with you and stopping with you. I'm not just going to pour it all on you, but I'm starting with you. And this is supposed to be something that blesses the entire world. And so you can kind of even see that in the Torah that it's kind of, it's kind of broke up in a pattern of three patriarchs and 12 sons. This three and 12 pattern even moves into the prophets, the writings of the prophets, where that portion is broken up into three Big prophets, uh, the prophets of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. And then you have 12 minor prophets. So this 3 and 12 pattern is kind of playing out. You, you will be able to see patterns like this when you start studying Scripture. Um, there is one pattern I just kind of want to show you uh, real quick. Uh, Steve, can you put that up, that, that slide up there? Uh, it just it should say pattern. There you go. And so... Um, you can look at this just real quick, that when God is creating, God first creates the world. And inside of that world, he creates Eden. And then if you read scripture, he plants a garden in Eden. Some of us, we think that Eden is the garden. Actually, the garden was planted in Eden. And so there's a pattern here that we can find that God is creating the world, he creates Eden, and then he creates this garden. And where does he place the man and the woman? He places them where? In the garden. And what happens when God places them in the garden? God comes down and walks with them and has relationship with them in the garden. And so then when you begin to move out from that, uh, you begin to see things have have. The train has, has left the tracks, so to speak. People have rebelled. Uh, there has been uh, people doing their own thing, going their own way. And uh, um, God chooses Abraham. And he chooses his family. And he chooses his people to start this blessing. And what does he do? He gives, uh, he gives them a instruction, instruction to create this thing called the tabernacle. And what does the tabernacle look like? The tabernacle looks like this. It looks like that there's this courtyard. There's a courtyard, and everybody can come to the courtyard. But then there's a place that is a little bit more intimate than the courtyard. There's a place called uh, the holy place. When you go in, and there's these instruments of worship. There are these, 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 if you looked on the walls, there's this depiction of angels, and there's this depiction of nature. There's uh, depictions of trees and almonds and all these plants. 
And what's it trying to get you to do? This whole idea of tabernacle is trying to get you to think about Eden. What happened to Eden? What was the original plan with Eden? That God would come and have relationship with people. And so you kind of see here that this tabernacle, it kind of, it kind of has this three-step process or this three kind of, um, kind of uh, design pattern in it. That there is even this holy place and then there is the most holy place, the holy of holies. That's where God's presence is at. And this is a picture. This is a pattern. This is a type. And what it's doing is it's pointing ahead. That's what the Hebrew Scriptures are doing. They are pointing ahead. And then you begin to see that all these Scriptures begin to point. Even from Genesis, before you get to the tabernacle, you, you get to this part in Genesis where it talks about there's coming someone who is going to crush the head of the snake. And the snake is going to bruise his heel. Who is this? That figure's kind of dark. It's almost someone who is standing in the shadows. And that person stands in the shadows all throughout this history and all throughout this time. And then when you get to a certain point, history culminates in the birth of Jesus. And no longer is he in the shadows, but this Messiah is revealed. And God has been revealing this all throughout history and all throughout Scripture. And there's this process. There's a sequence He's saying there's a history that I want to lead you on. There is a family. There is a nation. There is a history of people. There are things that they had to walk through. They walked through exile. They have walked through hardship. They have walked through. But what does God do? God brings them through all of that hardship. And he always, even in the midst of judgment, God always follows up judgment with grace. God always follows up judgment with grace. And he says, even when there's judgment, I give you mercy. And so when you come to the New Testament, and Jesus is talking with these guys, and he said, listen, I'm not just some Johnny come lately. I've been on page one, and starting with Moses, and walking through Moses, through the prophets, and into the writings, he begins to show these guys where he's at how he is through history and how, how the Old Testament is pointing this way. And a lot of times we, we don't think about the New Testament, but the New Testament actually points back. They're actually pointing to each other, and they're pointing right to this culmination of history of Jesus Christ. And the thing about Jesus is this. See, God creates a world. He makes a people in his image. God chooses a family, and God initiates a promise. Jesus is this new Adam. Where Adam and Eve fell, where Adam and Eve just royally blew it, Jesus is the new Adam who says, I'm here to walk out what they couldn't. And when, he, when you get to Abraham, and Abra Jesus is the promise of Abraham, and he's the sacrifice of the people. Jesus is the better Moses, leading God's people ultimately out, out of the ultimate slavery, not just out of slavery from Egypt, but ultimately out of slavery to sin. And so all of this is pointing to Jesus, and it's pointing to who he is in this culmination of history. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean uh, when we look at this, this thing called the Old Testament? I'm going to ask somebody to come play. Jesus read it. Jesus quoted it. And Jesus lived it out, which means that Jesus trusted it. 
And so if I'm looking at Jesus and I'm saying, I want to be like the guy that got up from the dead, right? You got any role models in life? And I know people say, you know, my role model in life is Jesus, right? Uh, well, that's the church answer, right? But really, if I pattern my life after anybody, I want to be like Jesus. Anybody who can get up and conquer death, I want to listen to what they have to say. And so when I look at Jesus and I see that Jesus thought much of the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, because his life was, was surrounded with that and immersed in that. He was Jewish and lived it out. Um, and he, it wasn't that he was not trying to be Jewish. It was, it was that who he, that's who he was. But Jesus trusted him. And see, maybe you've been around the Bible your whole life. Maybe you've been, you've had Bibles on your coffee table, whether you've read them or not, right? Maybe you've had the little pocket Bible that you said, well, I've got my New Testament. I've never opened it, but I've got my New Testament. Maybe you've been around Bibles your entire life. See, the thing is this, Jesus wants to give you life. He doesn't just want you to be around life. He wants to give you the life that is in these scriptures. And these scriptures testify to the life found in him. And this morning, when it comes down to it, the invitation is to trust Jesus. That's what it is. The invitation is to trust Jesus. And so I know sometimes you get hung up, well, I don't understand it all. I, there's so many things. And, and, and for me to try to take the next two weeks and just do an overview of the Old Testament where you would just say, ah, oh, the light bulb goes off, that is a tall task, guys, please. It, I am, I am years into my own study, and my mind is still being blown. My mind is still finding places where I've missed, the, I've missed this all my life, and then it's just kind of like this revelation. God says, I want you to see this now. And every time that happens, my heart jumps, and I'm just like, thank you, God. I want to see more. Because what you're revealing is who you are. See, the Bible is not just a good book. The Bible is God revealing himself. The Bible is not just a book so that, that you, can, you can live a good life and do good things and learn how to be a good person. No, no, this is God revealing himself. And he's revealing himself in the most specific and real way in Jesus. Where in the Old Testament, sometimes he seems like the God of the shadows, the God in the clouds, the God in the thunder. The God in the thunder and the God in the clouds and the God in the shadows puts on skin. And Jesus reveals who God is. So this, for me, that's why it's extremely important for me to know my Savior in a better way. I need to look at the words he read, what he lived by, what he quoted what he thought was important is I want to know what does that look like for me it's life Jesus invites us to life I want you to bow your heads with me this morning if you will go ahead and stand but I want you to bow your heads while you're doing that and I'm asking you to do a lot of stuff don't, don't trip over okay bow your head after you stand if your neighbor falls over just pick them up don't laugh at them See, this is the invitation. The invitation is to trust Jesus. Because we're going to get to Easter, and we're going to celebrate Easter, and we're going to celebrate resurrection. Because a lot of things 
had to happen before we got to Easter. A lot of things had to happen before we got to Christmas. A lot of things had to happen before a little baby was born in a manger in a stable. A lot of things had to happen that led up to that. And every bit of that is God saying, I love you. Every bit of that is God pointing and saying, this is my heart. Every bit of that is God saying, I'm pouring out my grace and my mercy on you. And yes, there's going to be judgment. Yes, I'm coming to judge sin. But that doesn't have to be your end. For us, we can look and say, Jesus took every bit of that to the cross. Jesus took every bit of that for us. So heads bowed this morning. Our invitation is to trust Jesus. And Lord, that's what we want to do. We want to trust you today. We want to trust you this morning. And I know maybe we don't know all the ins and outs of the Hebrew text. Maybe we don't even understand Hebrew language. We're trying our best just to understand English. This morning I do understand this, that I can't save myself. I am not my own Savior because I have failed and failed and failed and failed. And I am going to fail. And I cannot be big enough to save myself. And I need someone outside of me. God, you are that one. You have made a plan. You have started it from the outset of creation, from the outset of history. You stepped in on these pages and you began to give life. And you want us to see you in these pages. You want us to see you in life. But you want us to see, God, you want to give us life. Not just see life, but give us life. So maybe we've walked on our own. Maybe we've kind of held you at arm's length. Maybe there have been a lot of things we've had questions about. And, and, and maybe we still have questions about. But Lord, when it comes down to the specific person of Jesus, Jesus is the most perfect revelation of who you are. Because when we see Jesus, we see you. When we see the heart of Jesus, we see the heart of God our Father. When we see the grace of Jesus, we see the grace of God our Father. When we see the mercy of Jesus, we see the mercy of God our Father. And maybe we've had these ideas that you're angry and you're mean. Father, you're not. You're merciful. You're good. And you want good for us. And you want life for us. So this morning, I trust Jesus. I choose to put my faith in Jesus today. That's my prayer for you. Guys, if you would just speak that and just say today, I trust you, Lord Jesus. Make that your prayer. I cannot, I can only pray that for myself. You have to accept that and pray that for yourself. And maybe that doesn't answer all your questions just yet. But it's an invitation to start a journey. It's an invitation to start this journey and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Through the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But more, reveal the heart of God in the life of Jesus. Reveal the plan of God and the promise of God in the life of Jesus. So, Lord, I trust you. Lord Jesus, I trust you. This morning, we put our faith in you. This is our belief. This is our creed. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song together. Can we do that?